0: hey Brandon hey Alan and welcome to Dice Over Everything the miniatures gaming podcast yeah so you know how usually say like
1: oh everything was better back in my day but this time I'm like I I don't know if we're talking about like cool like world building stuff like the quality of tv shows I think we're probably more spoiled now Mm -hmm. because you think like for 3d animated tv shows we've been seeing lately there's been like the clone wars that's been going on and then like the Bad Batch that came after that. And I think back to when we were young, I'm like, eh, what was kind of the equivalent show back then? And I don't know, what sort of 3D animated show comes to mind for you from like the 90s?
0: Reboot? Yeah,
1: exactly. We're on the same page here. <laughs> and and I've gone you know, back. You
0: set me up. You're you're stringing me along like some mastermind, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Go on. And and it's like, I've
1: gone back and tried to watch clips of Reboot. It's like, Ooh, this, this animation is not, <laughs> not there. I can't. I cannot go back That's and watch true. this show no matter how much people wax lyrical about it. It's like, no, you can't go back and do it again. You people wax
0: lyrical about Reboot?
1: Yeah, they do in terms of animated shows. Like, they were groundbreaking from Wow. Then.
0: Okay, it was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. But more for the fact that it was just 3D than actual yep. story or anything. Well, a lot of people so, like the I second season
1: story, but anyhow.
0: So here's the thing. Uh, I kind of, uh, I I was totally on board when you said, oh, we're spoiled for choice now Mm -hmm. in terms of like things being better now. Except then you said the Bad Batch and some other Star Wars junk that I think is garbage. So then I was like, I think you've immediately defeated your your hypothesis before it began. Because here's the thing, I agree. 3D mm -hmm. was terrible back then because the technology was not there yet, right? If you go and watch... Uh, Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Now the animation is garbage. Even if you go back and watch something like I know ten years after that, if you watch uh, The Incredibles, which I loved when it came out, and I watched it as an adult, uh, the animation is garbage there too. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, the really bad. The animation now, even on like
1: a sideshow like The Bad Batch, is still like pretty decent. So we're we're just so here's spoil the thing. now for like
0: you are. Barking up the wrong tree, though, because Mm -hmm. back then the equivalent was not 3D animation like Reboot or Beast Wars. It was 2D animation. And if you are going to come and tell me that the modern, like, I don't know, let's say Disney classics Mm -hmm. uh, that are 3D are better than the ones we grew up with, which are Aladdin, you know, that run, that four or five year run. Mm-hmm. That got killed by Pocahontas, so yeah. like Little mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King uh are the movies these days like are that they, they don't although they're good, right? you have what do you call it Frozen, which is pretty good mm-hmm. uh they're not as good as those. Are you sure it's not just like the
1: story that's behind it that's really what's compelling you to think that way
0: it's both it's, it's both, both. Okay. actually. Probably one of my favorite movies was uh, Somewhere in Between, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is like, you know, back in the old days. But like if you are a 20-year-old or 25-year-old, you would say back in the old days. And then you would say – the movie I'm about to say, Lilo and Stitch, which was like one of the last 2D movies that Disney made, is an amazing movie. And you go back and watch that, that was, I think, equivalent in terms of quality. Um, and I, I'm not I, like there's you know the new stuff is pretty good right I did like turning red that was pretty fun um, but I think uh, they do not make them like they used to and mm-hmm. there is in terms of story, uh this is like uh, a topic for another day I've literally been talking about this all the time with everyone I, I talk I talk to about media. Uh like sequelitis is definitely a thing that's happening all over the larger uh mainstream. However, okay. that is not true and where I thought you were gonna go is for um indie stuff indie stuff because of the internet there's so much proliferation of really good stuff by small creators that Mm -hmm. is so much more accessible now than there was before so that i would agree so that's why i would Mm -hmm. actually still in the end agree with you but don't tell me it's disney star wars that makes everything great
1: (laughs) well i was about to say what is great is the clone wars and it's very sad that you've not got on board with that but well, we could get into that with some of the games we'll talk about in this podcast, I guess. Sure.
0: Oh yeah, we're not a we're, we're not a movie and, and media podcast. We are no. a miniatures gaming podcast..
1: Mm-hmm. And this week we're talking about, I don't know, not not the model quality and the visual aspect, but
0: yes, but the fluff. So the fluff is a very much miniatures, uh, I guess, history, historical word, world. A uh, world word uh sorry it's late uh and we're gonna talk about whether or not or if fluff which is the story in in our miniature games uh whether it's the secret sauce
1: okay i think i think way back in the day aka 2019 we did yep. do a podcast before the,
0: yeah, the before times
1: Mm-hmm. in the before times when we were stronger faster and apparently more entertaining
0: <laughs> but i no yes. one's going to go back and watch that to notice. yeah yeah so when we when spy. we did record these late at night mm-hmm. yes yeah. when
1: i wasn't by zoom yeah i know when you had to go
0: oh, do things in a recording studio mm-hmm.
1: yeah anyhow so i don't know if we started that off with much direction but just thinking about the games that are out there I was going through like.
0: Wait, wait. When you say way back in 2019, sorry, yeah. I'm not following. Way back in 2019,
1: what? Oh, when when we were stronger and faster and smarter.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's sure. That's all. Okay. What about two Oh, you're about to say something. <laughs>
1: that's when the that's when the episode we did on from. Oh, we did an episode.
0: From. Yes. Okay. Okay, so yeah, yeah, we did an episode. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I knew that. In 2019, (laughs) we did an episode about Fluff originally.
1: Uh Uh-huh, and I don't know if I had a conclusion. Like, I know we went a whole bunch of directions with it in terms Uh of, like, its value for the game, but, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think we really figured out how it fits in to whether you need to have it to keep, like... To get people into the game and keep them in the game i know like it, it definitely we talked about how it enhances the game big time and especially yes. we talked about how like it needs to reflect how the gameplay goes otherwise mm-hmm. you just have this weird incongruity and you don't understand what you're getting into and it's just the stories you just don't relate to them as well if they're not the same thing as you're playing on the table mm-hmm. so i think we talked a lot about that but I just more, I think we more want to get into like whether the fluff is like necessary to get you into the game and keep you in it.
0: Yeah, like as a more of a almost like a, a at a higher level, not on a personal level of the person who's playing, but on mm-hmm. a game level and the health overall of that game organism or that game industry and, the, you know, the companies that create it, right? Yeah. Like, why? what do they think, like, how important is it for them to keep, you know, their these games uh, alive and uh, getting in f- uh, f- fresh blood?
1: Yeah, so you think of the really big games that are mm-hmm. – i almost call them, like, if you're thinking about the TV analogy where they have, like, seasons yep. to them and they keep putting out, like, new progression of the storyline, the question is, well, do you need that, A, to keep the people engaged with the story, or, B, are they just using it as a mechanism cynically to just keep selling new stuff? Because like, obviously it serves the purpose of selling new stuff by putting out new fluff to get people, like, mm-hmm. hyped, excuse me, about new models or just introducing the new models. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a game that progresses the story much to keep people in it without like simultaneously also like integrating the miniature releases. I know every time we go to Frostgrave, but that as well does mm-hmm. sell like, well, the story's not really progressing. It's just you're going.
0: That the is world is, to is getting fleshed out more. Actually, it's interesting with Frostgrave. Mm-hmm. I was just listening to another podcast um i would name the actual podcast but i actually forget what it was I listen to a lot of podcasts um and the, the the people were talking about how i think one of the person i think it was the guest on the podcast was talking about how uh they like really liked games workshop uh and the mm-hmm. games workshop world right the old world and all of this kind of stuff because you know they we all we all kind of grew up with this kind of stuff more or less right um And how he he liked Frostgrave the game, but he felt like the Frostgrave the game did not have a world for him to jump into, and Mm -hmm. that kind of dragged away from his ability to, you know, get into the game, right, and enjoy it. And and to me, that was like a little bit. Uh, I guess there, there there's a couple of things going in there. Like first of all um that was from from what i understand from interviews that i I've, I've listened to from from the creator joe McCullough, the part of that is was intentional right yep he made fr- uh the you know the initial frostgrave book um more open with a light framework so that you could it could evoke it was just enough to evoke a kind of world and setting and then you can fill it in any way you want right so your creative Creativity can run free, right? But then, second of all, if you have bought a lot of the expansions and and books that came afterwards, that's no longer even true. Frostgrave, the world, is quite well fleshed out now.
1: Yeah, I just don't necessarily think it has like a linear timeline going to it, like some games try to create. It has lots of areas to it and like it's, history to yeah. it, but I don't think it's trying to push like a linear timeline to itself.
0: Yeah, well, I guess the 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 thing with Frostgrave, right? It's like wizards battling over treasure, but you're fighting over the ruins of something, right? So so mm-hmm. when he reveals, like when these these campaign books reveal things, they reveal things that happened in the past, right? So it's Are like you reading kind into the history of, at this point. Yeah, like reading into the history and fighting a surprising number of wizards who have. Like evil wizards who have survived uh, thousands of years as ghosts or shades or something that you have to put down once once and for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that's the thing. That's it's kind of interesting that um, initially, at least for Frostgrave, the hook is if you read the book, you're like, oh, there's there's not much there. But if you mm-hmm. buy the campaign books, there's a lot of history. Right? We 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 fought through a twelve like a 12 uh, campaign, uh, a 12, uh, 12 mission campaign, campaign uh, fighting in the greatest university of the old city, right, A Frostgrave, where we fought a whole bunch of race. And that revealed a lot about what the actual, like how things worked back then, right? What this old city was like and who these people were. And then we also fought a lich, right, on mm-hmm. another one. Right, so a more revealed, and then there's books about the underground, right? Where there's like breeding pits of like um you know, just like uh what do you call it? Uh gladiatorial combat underneath the there's always being gladiatorial combat. It's kind of yeah. revealed, both constructs and undead were used as labor. Right? Mm-hmm. So all of these things kind of reveal it's actually really fleshed out if you if you buy all the books that come out, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about a game that kind of continues to you know entice you to buy the next thing or or or, or to learn more and to, or to stay in the game right above and beyond just the gameplay and things like that, which are great right it's my favorite gameplay um these little like every time you buy a a book you get a little bit a little more morsel of what the world is like a little bit more of of what it is what what is in the world and you can you can go back and like put that into the miniatures and the the terrain and the monsters that you paint on your next time you play to continue to play in that that city right
1: yeah yeah so um, to a more general note like before this I was reading up just about like to try and think about like a breadth of games reading up on like skirmish games that people like because uh, I didn't really mm-hmm. want to look at the mass battle games. And most yeah, we'll people
0: talk about them later.
1: Yeah, most people sort of focus like the first thing they brought up was like the setting. Is it sci-fi? Is it cyberpunk? Is it all that? Just how people were trying to like do a good job describing what the game is. So that seemed to be their first mm-hmm. go to for that. Mm-hmm. And then after that, well obviously I was only looking up Skirmish, so no nope, they didn't need to bother saying that. Mm-hmm. The then beyond that they started just thinking about the rules so most people seem to be ignoring a little bit of the story element but then again all the games they were talking about all had strong like story elements to them nobody was nobody even bothered like much to talk about games that lacked that element so it seems like the games don't even think... get on the people's radar without
0: it i feel like yeah, so I guess what games were you talking about? Like for for certain things, when you talk about mm-hmm. certain ones, a lot of them, uh, a lot of the biggest one comes come prepackaged with like IP, right, and stories yeah. that everyone already knows. So you just mm-hmm. buy no, by the name of it, mm-hmm. you you don't really have to tell much more besides the general, you know, the general kind of thing, right? But you're talking about sci-fi, so if you have to, you have to define the actual setting. Then mm-hmm. what are these games that you are talking about where the fluff doesn't come into it? Because in my, from my uh, feeling, and from my looking, the reason why I want to talk about this is because I, I, I've been, you know, we're creating a game, right? Mm-hmm. We've created a game and we're kind of shaping the story. Well, we've done a lot of the rules and a lot of playtesting and stuff like that, and we're trying to. Sh- and we did some like groundwork for the for the world and and art, um, but we're trying to, you know, define that, get that dialed in, right? And so when I look at other people um when they're looking at games, they often like it, it's not a lot of sentences, but it's often more than just oh this is a sci-fi game, right? Mm-hmm. Sci-fi game with a certain number, but then like when you hear people get really excited and trying to sell things, they talk about almost always it's not about mechanics, it's really? about the setting and the world that is that hooks you, and then mm-hmm. you talk about, and then there's some some mechanics that are cool. So after
1: that, I went and searched more for like miniature agnostic skirmish games that people like, because mm-hmm. I'm,
0: I'm like, well, if you sure. take the so what, what, like, what the, games were we were talking about first of all.
1: Well, basically I searched for that because if you take the miniatures out of the aspect and those big properties that have all this art, and you end up in the miniature agnostic space, now like people's impression of the game is not being so influenced by like the miniatures and that. And now it's just like entirely like what's written as the fluff is the impression people get and nobody really seemed to care about the games where it's just like oh it's this open ended whatever rule system like people were talking about them but they were very like infrequently taken up I'm just thinking of almost like Stargrave where the setting is very like do whatever you want and people didn't seem to latch on to it nearly as much
0: People latched on to Stargrave really? pretty decently. Compare, I don't, I like, I don't so know. I don't know what you're talking. Like, you, you got to name the game. So you're saying Stargrave people didn't latch on to you. I know you didn't latch mm-hmm. on to it for sure. But when I look at in, in general, first of all, like Stargrave obviously has done pretty, pretty well mm-hmm. for uh, Osprey because they printed off a lot of books. Uh, I. I I heard an interview, I think, with Joe McCullough that that Stargrave is doing pretty well, yeah.
1: okay, and it's absolutely.
0: actually relative to even to Frostgrave, like just the setting and everything like that makes it. Mm-hmm. it it's it's probably honestly the the proximity to, uh, Warhammer 40,000 that has really helped it, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it seems like it is, it's still doing, quite well. And you look at the other games, uh, yeah. So so I. I think that's actually more of, like, a hit as opposed to, like, a miss. I know that, you know, you don't like it, but a lot of people use it, and a lot of people use it to, like, uh, put on... Even though the the world is more of a... What do you call it? What's that that, uh, TV show from, like, 10 years ago? Firefly. It's very much a Firefly-esque world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like... Uh, but I guess Warhammer 40k fans will just kind of, like, paste on the Warhammer 40k-esque kind of things onto it, right? And people people play it for that, right? Um, but when you're looking at a lot of other games, like, there's definitely games uh, um, that, like, if you're talking about an entirely miniature agnostic game, like, obviously, if you're talking about Song of Blades and Heroes, it is intentionally super generic, right? And it's it's quite popular, right? relatively speaking uh but i think there there's just not enough room for like very very generic uh games because people want things that are tailored directly to the miniatures that they they want right Mm -hmm. or that that they're 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 in their collection that they want to use right so when people think oh i want a western like i have a bunch of cowboys i'm not going to use like generic shooting game, right? That mm-hmm. can also be used for cowboys or modern or science fiction, right? They're gonna look for the thing that actually screams or or, or breathes and exudes the cowboy aesthetic, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, I feel like from what I from what I I've seen, right? Like and obviously like the biggest ones are ones with IPs, right? Like Atomic Mass Games has a whole bunch of really strong IPs, has Star Wars and Marvel, right? And it blew up basically out of nowhere, right? Because uh, when people look at that game, I don't even know if anyone really talks about, when they try to sell those games, the rules. They they talk about, hey, it's Marvel, it's Star Wars. You want to play Star Wars and play Marvel? Yeah, you play Mm -hmm. these games, right? Um, and then afterwards, you know, when people are like me, I'm not a big Star Wars fan anymore. Um, then they have to be like, no, no, but it's a good game, and let me tell you why all of these different things. And 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 to be fair, like you know, Star Wars Legion, I have played it. There's a lot of really good things in Star Wars Legion, and I can say that. I think my my feelings after I played it were, oh, this is a pretty good game. Too bad it's Star Wars because. <laughs> Because yep. I didn't feel like the gameplay matched Star Wars at all. And also, I'm not that into Star Wars. Okay. I'm... Side note, I almost got into Legion uh, because they released uh, Ewoks. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently, you cannot play an all-Ewok army. So I was like, forget it. It's stupid. Well, I don't know. My impression seemed to be... Rebels? The... Lame.
1: My impression was there was like tailoring to more of the Clone Wars era which I think is cool but given that you don't seem to have jumped Shatterpoint. The Wars. Yeah, Shatterpoint. Yep. No, Shatterpoint.
0: Not with Shatterpoint. 100%. Not not Legion. Really? I've oh. never played Shatterpoint. Mm-hmm. Legion uh released, was released with the original. Yep. Yeah. They released the 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 tri- the the what do you call it? Clone the Wars, it? uh the
1: yeah, the pre- what do you call it?
0: The first three Mhm.
1: Um, I- I ignored their existence and called the Clone Wars era. Those three movies (laughs) Sure. So, yeah, yeah. The the
0: first three, they released the first three after. But the Mm -hmm. first set was actually Empire versus Rebels. Yeah.
1: Maybe it's just the miniatures got better when they started releasing those. So I'm like, oh, now it's cool. That's true. That's
0: true. The first miniatures were terrible. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I guess, yeah, the fluff there basically draws people in 100%. There's other, like, there's other so many other games well so do you think people go in to find a miniature game where they have like a setting in mind that they want to play yep. in?
0: Yep. That's why okay. they say setting first, I think. That's
1: that's probably like why I was looking up. Everybody says setting first. Like so you're looking for sci-fi, are you looking for high fantasy
0: like you look for historicals mm-hmm. ancients, right? Modern. Yep. I don't know who wants to play modern these days, but <laughs> Exactly. But it's easy, like everybody understands it. I'm okay with fantasy modern, mm-hmm. but, like, real modern, that's that to me is just crazy. Yeah. So
1: I guess the next thing, once you've established, like, that really big, wide area of the setting, is that, like, mm-hmm. you've got to tell the player what's happening in that setting. Like, are they, like, is it all out war? Are they, like, trying to gather some sort of resource, like we're talking about in Frostgrave, grab all the treasure?
0: Post-apocalyptic.
1: Are you, like, going out monster hunting,
0: like, in that... Yeah. Just trying to survive or whatever, yeah. Is it a campaign like mm-hmm, but- thing? Are you going to build, a t- follow your characters and see what they're doing, or is every single time you have a fight where it's like a all-out Avengers Assemble battle?
1: Yeah, because like that purpose can happen with in any of those like overall settings. But oddly, I don't feel like people were telling me that when they were talking about like the games they were into. But it's it does seem like a really important part of the game you're getting into, like.
0: Yeah. Oh, in terms of so like how that,
1: that, I think it's I think it's more of how like interacts yeah. with the rules. That once you get down to that level, like is that part congruent with the rules? Is something Yeah. That matters? I think
0: I think that's the thing that the fluff is not like the story, the setting, and all these things is mm-hmm. not divorced from everything else, right? That we love. But I feel like when you go into it into a, a game when you when you're talking about it, when I hear people talk about you know how they love the this game, they talk about it in a story way like we are uh you know story like we, we think in stories right people mm-hmm. think in stories and so when people talk about even when they talk about the games they played right you're like oh i played this really awesome game you know like for infinity let's say right oh you know i i talk about how you know my my um, my namur just basically shrugged off all wounds right and then like shot them like ran up a- a- up a wall and shot them at the guy in the face right like mm-hmm. that's how you talk about it as opposed to then then i move six two and then you know total immunity stopped mm-hmm. the actual wound from going through some people do do that but that's a lot more boring and i feel like i rolled this that, and then it you're not winning effect. people when you say mm-hmm. say that kind of things right but when you hear people talk about stories like they they turn the games into stories they are able to really sell it and you and when i'm seeing people you know talk about new games their eyes light up when when you talk about the games in in a story way like you know when we go go for drinks afterwards and people Mm -hmm. are talking about the latest game they played right if they're just talking about you know there's certain people like you know us maybe maybe we're more engineering mind and stuff like that right where we will break things down we're like oh this part is cool this part right you know these these three mechanics and shit like that right but when you see a lot of people the best way to sell them from what i for what i see is they they tell them the story that the game is trying to play and then they tell them about about the mechanics that reinforce that story Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if you're playing you know uh, X wing, it's dogfighting, right? You're you're like deking in in and out, right? Your ship is outmaneuvering the other person, and they say, oh, and there's it's reinforced by this cool mechanic, because again, we are playing games, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, that's the way they talk about even mechanics is it's not just about you know this is a cool thing, it's it's you know sometimes they do, right? We talk all the time about how Infinity it has the cool like bluffing stuff, mm-hmm. right? That isn't not a lot of games, but like even in infinity when i talk about it i i talk about how when i when i think about the coolest part of infinity it's the ramboing that you can do right yeah. even though mechanically speaking and a gameplay wise it's like a, a push and pull in a resource management at, right and there's a lot of ability to push your luck or or, or um or or yeah yeah basically uh you know go for broke right there's always ability to go more for broke the worst you know things go right Mm -hmm. so if if things are going bad that's the kind of mechanical idea but when i talk about it to other people i'm talking about the ability to go and rambo and have a guy like burst through the lines and and do something heroic yeah yeah exactly right Mm -hmm. so you, you you kind of make it even though you know the the thing that makes Infinity unique is the way that the the gameplay informs the story, right? The way that I you talk about it and the way you think about it is that fluff kind of idea, right? Yeah, like if
1: you're not playing a competitive super competitive game like miniatures or whatever else, I feel mm-hmm. like it's kind of like leans almost into the D and D sort of thing where you're basically playing like a collaborative story. Mm-hmm. it's not just like a video game where you do like you press a button things happen it's like there is a back and forth to it for how things are working on the board and like an agreement to how the game is playing. Yeah. And that just for that to work, you have to like be in the same story space. And the way that gets created is just like, okay, well, this, the game yeah. has given you background story. Like what are you supposed to be doing there? What's like beyond just the world? Like what is everybody doing there? So you can establish like you have that it basically creates a language for you to have that back and forth dialogue about what the story yeah. is on the board. Cause if you're,
0: yeah, how, to bring everything like, to life, yeah. Which is why maybe I don't like
1: Stargrave, because I feel like Stargrave allows some person to be like, oh, I'm playing Space Marines, and we're going on like a Xenos hunting mission. But then, then the other player is like, oh, I'm playing a bunch of Jedi, and we're going out with our lightsabers to be Jedi. It's like, but how do you share your stories? What? I think that's one of the reasons why I, I don't like it.
0: Even though they can all exist in one world, I just feel like it's. Sure. It's a, setting I think that up. The, the the thing is, although there's abilities that that can kind of go one way or the other,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you really you you can't be a space marine and you can't yeah. be a space marine squad uh-huh. because first of all, you only have two guys. You have your captain and your first mate.
1: Yeah, and and the rest of your guys
0: you are chums, which could, yeah. could be guardsmen. It's guardsmen, mm-hmm. you can say you have your captain and first mate. But even the way you're playing is, you're running around capturing data, and your mm-hmm. captain and first mate are not tough enough. And they still have uh, that, even though they're in, in in some ways they're tougher or more survivable. Let's say mm-hmm. than uh, wizards, right? They can also have armor. Um, they. It's because they dodge in and out of cover. Mm -hmm. So you cannot actually be a space marine. No. You can be more of a Jedi, but you're not like... You can't be Obi-Wan, right? Mm -hmm. You can be a guy with a laser sword, right? But it's almost... and, And the reason why I think the Jedi thing works better is, again, because it's a space western. Yep. And Jedi are a mix of space western and samurai right which is technically you know westerns traditionally in the movie sense were were uh informed by samurai films right so i guess technically everything's a samurai film right? mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but uh so that's why I think you can actually be more of a jedi than you can be uh, uh, you can't you just can't be a space marine and so i think maybe it 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 didn't necessarily for you do a good enough job of telling you who you can actually be right mm-hmm. like you could be an inquisitor right because you have to be human yeah and you, you or you could be a lizard man technically right like a lizard alien but you still have to be like in that kind of realm right the more like old school pulpy science fiction kind of world where you have a bunch of abilities. You cannot be like a super uber-powered space where you're running around shooting everyone in the face, right? You're the kind of guy where you're ducking in and out, you know, and you're, you take a couple of shots with your gun and then you have to duck duck back into cover kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's more of how the, the world works, right? And so to me, I see more, and maybe that's why uh, I like Stargrave more, is I, I feel like there's a lot more uh, story in it right i see a lot more hooks in it right like like the fluff for stargrave is that there was it's basically there there was a, a galactic civil war and the two sides lost basically mm-hmm. right and so uh, not they didn't lose but like they, basically in the war the two big empires i think i don't know if there's only two but they like the empires that were fighting they basically collapsed they all collapsed. And now everything is taken over by warlords, right? Mm-hmm. So everything you're in more like of a warlord period, where 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 in the the rubble of this empire of the old empires, there's just a, a million and one small little fiefdoms with pirates and things like that running around and, and controlling everything. Mm-hmm. And so that is actually a a pretty in my opinion, that's a pretty good setting, right? That's an interesting setting that you can do a lot with. So maybe it's just harder to communicate that setting in a
1: couple words. Like certain things, it's just like,
0: here's or, your orcs you, versus goblins did, fantasy. Did you read? See, here's the thing. I bought the book, though. So mm-hmm. I did read the, the fluff section, right? No, I want I want the impression Actually, before not, I buy now, anything. Now you're making me want to see what, what the back of the book is. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's, that's even
1: too much reading gotta be it's gotta be the people's impression not the
0: not what they're the trying people's to say is it's doing pretty good so mm-hmm. uh you know uh so science fiction war games in the ravaged galaxy so mm-hmm. already it's talking about fluff right In a galaxy torn apart by the last war, vast pirate fleets roam from system to system, robbing, Mm -hmm. extorting, and rounding up slaves. Any attempt to form any kind of central authority larger than a city-state is quickly and brutally crushed. In this Mm -hmm. dark time, the only way to survive is to stay small and inconspicuous. Amidst this chaos, however, thousands of independent crews manage to carry on their business. Smugglers, relic hunters, freedom fighters, and mercenaries roam the dead stars in small ships, scratching out a living any way they can. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty thematic. Yeah. The, the entire the thing has nothing the about the gameplay. Mm-hmm. It's all about the theme. It's all about the setting? Yeah. And my assumption is, is the first time you've ever heard about the theme of Sargrave.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never read that part. Just see, just see pictures of miniatures that people are using for it. And it's like, what the f- these things don't fit together.
0: No, that's fair, right? This, I guess mm-hmm. this is one of those things that you're talking about, like, in, in a miniature's kind of agnostic game. Now, now the thing with Stargrave is technically they, they have their own miniatures, right. And it's mm-hmm. much more,
1: much more, um, science
0: Gable. fiction. Mm-hmm. And the aliens are like guy are more like guy in, you know, with a, in a mask kind of costumes, right. Those are the kind of aliens. So that's the kind of thing that the actual miniatures for Stargrave, uh, they're trying to sell, right? Mm-hmm. However, you're right in that, you know, because Stargrave is in, you know, a science fiction world and in a world where, you know, a lot of people want to move away from, if they're moving away from, let's say, playing in the 40K world proper, the most miniatures everyone's going to have, right? 40K is by far the biggest miniatures game in the world. People are going to have 40K miniatures. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to see a lot of Warhammer 40K thousand miniatures and unfortunately space marines right even though yep. space marines uh you can't even start off being a space marine now there is like a power suit that you can use which mm-hmm. i guess it would be a space marine thing but it literally costs money for your character to use it every single time you use it it's called armored trooper Mm-hmm. and yeah, I read that they part. still die yep. mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure they still die because there's crits, right? If you play with crits, and I, you're supposed to play with crits,
1: mm-hmm.
0: an armored trooper still dies to a crit in this game.
1: Yeah.
0: Is that, isn't that kind of like... Like, if you have a plus-two shoot, you roll 20, you add five damage, it's 27, they mm-hmm. have 13 armor, 14 health. They still die to, to a random guy mm-hmm. shooting them in the face. Like, on a, with a crit. Mm-hmm. So, they're not very Space Marine-ish. <laughs> Even no. the Super Armored guys. But, yeah, so, I don't know.
1: Yeah, so it seems difficult without miniatures to really get the theme across quite as well, unless, I guess you have to, like, I'm trying to think how, how you, like... Because a lot of the games, miniature agnostic ones, sort of, like, did, have done Kickstarter ones that have got things more, like, in the direction they're thinking of. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah, that's so you're one way to achieve about, it.
0: Well, when, when I look at... So, so I guess... I, my postulation is that the fluff and the story, right, is the thing that hooks people. And I'll tell you a mm-hmm. bunch of games that uh, uh, reinforce this. I don't actually necessarily think Stargrave is one of those. I think Frostgrave was. Mm-hmm. I think it was a very, very simple story. Uh, very... Uh, but it hooked people because it was Im- imaginative enough, right? And at the time, it, it was pretty unique in 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 the world, right? You have it's a wizard centric story, and there were not really wizard centric uh, games uh, out, right? Mm-hmm. So, a wizard-centric story in a frozen city. Now, obviously, frozen settings are very, very popular in fantasy, but surprisingly, there's not ones that are so heavily invested in like in that way, plus with the magical wizards, right? It's like this fluff and this setting that kind of hooks you immediately, even before you really know a lot of details about what the actual city is. And then, as it gets fleshed out with the, with the great campaigns uh, and scenarios in the game, It kind of drags you along, right? Um, So Frostgrave, I think, is one. I think if you look at other games, uh, you know, the the games from um, Starling Badger Studios,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: when there's the Rain in Hell, right? Yeah, they're very about that.
1: They talk about theme a lot, and they don't talk about the mechanics up front. Theme is number
0: one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then afterwards, they're like, okay, so the theme is, you know, they don't just say, oh, it's a fantasy game, right? It's a fantasy game where you're demons slashing each other in the face in hell. Mm -hmm. Right. So that is the theme that they're, you know, they're really hooking someone and that, that word, that, 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 that kind of sentence is really what hooks people first. Right. Even if there's like later on you hear about, oh, they have a cool, like initiative mechanic. Right. And and things like that. Right. That that stuff works afterwards, but it's just that theme and then selling and, and the trust that people have that your games and your games rules will sell that theme. Right, Mm -hmm. is the thing that hooks people. It's basically like that one line is the thing that makes you know piques people's interests, right? You need that fluff, right? That Mm -hmm. that interesting world or the interesting setting, right?
1: Yeah, I'm just trying. Um, I was trying to find games where those two weren't congruent. Like, obviously, if someone's going to make a good game, they're going to try and make those two things.
0: I don't want to talk about games and then bash the mechanics, but let me just say, of all the games I mentioned, not all of them are good.
1: Oh, I know. But they can—they can just the <laughs> mechanics could match. They could just have bad mechanics, yeah. and they, they like it still match. Like,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I did say, what was it? Oh, war, uh, a Star Wars Legion. Star Wars mm-hmm. Legion. Obviously, it's Star Wars, so it immediately hooks people, right? I mm-hmm. felt like it did not match. I don't think that the rules match the actual gameplay. I—I okay, I that- really, I actually like the gameplay, but I—I uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they are very Star Wars like. Whereas. From what I hear, Shatterpoint, which I haven't played, yep. the 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 setting, right, the fluff is obviously very strong because mm-hmm. uh, it's the Clone Wars, which you said, you know, at the very very beginning of this podcast, is really good, way better than reboot, which I don't know, that's damning with frame praise, uh, but. Mm-hmm. but uh you know a lot of people especially young younger people a lot longer younger than us who grew up on that kind of stuff they really like that kind of stuff right
1: mm-hmm. yes yeah, so um, they would just possibly buy into the game based on that mm-hmm.
0: yeah actually i listened to a podcast where they were talking about um about uh shatterpoint and and basically the guy was saying oh yeah these are all the great things about shatterpoint right uh, all these great rules. Actually, he mentioned a lot of things that were not good about it first. And then, but then he went through a laundry list of things that he loved. And then the very end, you know, the the other co-host who hadn't played it and, and, and asked him, okay, so if this was not Star Wars, would you play it? Mm-hmm. And he said no.
1: Yeah.
0: Even though he was talking about how good it was, like almost all of that stuff, like he wouldn't play it. Even though he was talking about how great it was, he wouldn't play it. If the story didn't line up with one of his favorite settings,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? The if the thing. setting like, wasn't right for what he wanted,
1: yeah. You well, know, just like I won't bother playing any like modern warfare, World War Two stuff. I'm like, I have no interest in this aesthetic. You just, you can't get the person at all. But the thing is, like, if we're talking about yet, a story, you mean, like, you have no, you,
0: you have no desire yet. We'll yeah, see. Not, we'll see if I can added. win you over with World War Two. Modern so. is harder, I think. Actually, you know what I was thinking. How about this? What happens if I came to you and I said, okay, there's this amazing game Mm -hmm. called uh, Furious and Fast. And basically, it's Fast and Furious, Mm -hmm. but the miniatures game where you have cars and you smash the cars, you jump out, you punch people, you jump back into cars, and you keep on going. The cars are always going at the same time. Would you be considerate?" It's like
1: Gaslands, but you can actually jump out with like little dudes and start beating yeah. on each other. If and has you better- jump onto
0: the car, and you fight onto the car, and you there's and you're always on highways, right? Mm-hmm. And if you fall off, you have to catch a ride on another car before, or if or if you get left behind, right? Because everything is always moving. Uh-huh. Then you you kind of come back by surfing on another car that you know comes from behind and goes. Would you be interested?
1: The setting is getting me, but the story is even better. Like that's the thing. The story is like another layer. Yeah. Like I don't think I don't think because what we're talking about now is I think that the very upper level of like where it's set matters the most. That's the game, by the way. We should we should think about yeah, that. That's, it is pretty cool. But then I don't know. Does the story within that even really matter? Because well, I guess we said the story matters because it I guess, helps what, the language of the back and forth. Yeah. But I don't know if the story mm-hmm. like getting people into it. They're just like oh. This like basic surface level thing. It's like, oh, here's Star Wars. What are you doing within the universe? Eh, eh, whatever. It's Star Wars. I'm in. Same thing with like yeah. Gaslands or the, the Fast and Furious game. It's just like this is gonna look cool on the board. I'm in. But then like the story part, I don't, I don't know. If mm-hmm. it, like how much it doesn't sound
0: like I guess, all these people are I guess you're right. I guess it's true. Like when I when I think about fluff though, and I think about that that thing, I, I guess to me. <sighs> the for sure i feel like when i when i see these kind of things and when people get mm-hmm. into these games right uh the setting really matters right mm-hmm. the setting the, yeah. the the thing though it's like lining up an idea of uh like sparking imagination right sparking imagination and wonder in your head where you're like oh what could it be what could it actually look like in the world right mm-hmm. um that's kind of what you need to spark to, to get people hooked, right?
1: Yep.
0: Into and mm-hmm. and I guess you're right that in terms of when people talk about technically fluff, right, a, a specific story, right, a specific actually like instead of saying you are doing like like we said you're fast and furious, you're you're jumping from car to car and you're shooting things like that, mm-hmm. that could be enough to evoke people's mi- in people's minds something cool. Yep. As opposed to you are specifically Dominic Toretto fighting, you know, doing that. Like whether that or not like trying to compete with the rock cool, over you're...
1: who has the most coolest yes. cars and can do the coolest tricks <laughs> on the road.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Trying to get the heist, right? Because you know, mm-hmm. Passing and and stuff like that steal the thing. Um is that uh whether or not that is uh I don't know what you call it. Uh is that whether or not that's Essential to get people in the door. Essential, yeah. Like, do you need that second level? I guess the thing is, when you already have the setting, right? For mm-hmm. a lo- especially when we're talking about indie games, right? Like, or you're trying to sell someone in a game that doesn't actually have a property or an IP, right? Yep. Uh, just when you say someone is jumping, like when I said Fast, like Furious and Fast, like when I said you know the car jumping kind of like chase mm-hmm. kind of genre thing, I said it's like Fast and Furious, right? Although the game is not technically would not technically be Fast and Furious. I'm still selling you a theme and a fluff. It's just instead of coming in and bring you new fluff, a new story, mm-hmm. I'm inserting this property that everyone knows really, really well that people enjoy mm-hmm. and inserting it in your head and saying, yeah, that but the miniatures game, right? Yep. So you still have fluff. You still have that story. Like if you've never watched a Fast and Furious movie and I tried to and I use that like terminology on you would would it make sense like i'd have to describe it a lot more right like mm-hmm. if i didn't have that i'd have to like you'd be saying okay so so why are these guys jumping and fighting mm-hmm. from, from from car to car right fighting on top of cars and like and doing this kind of stuff it doesn't make sense except for in the context of knowing mm-hmm. this stories that you have seen right yep. even if the game has shaved off the actual like you know, filed off the labels and stuff like that. You are still evoking those kind of fluff, that kind of story, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it's like Tom and Doretto, right? Mm-hmm. So,
1: hmm. yeah. So I, get, I guess like G W basically created the stories themselves, whereas these other ones.
0: But did like, they? No, did they create the stories themselves? They did not actually like. Mm. Originally, these stories were an amalgam. Like, nowadays they have, right? Mm-hmm. It's fleshed out. But from mm-hmm. the, the origin, they were Dominic, like Dominic Toretto. They were Judge Dredd, right? Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. 20, what, 2000 AD, is the source of so much of Warhammer 40,000.
1: Yeah, that's how right? they got their start, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the the Chaos Gods were imported from fantasy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was imported from I, I forget some fantasy novel that people read right some other people read obviously yeah. Lord of the Rings like mm-hmm. orcs literally and elves and they literally it's, just, took it's the fantasy they
1: had. high fantasy in space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yes they they took the high fantasy and put it in space right mm-hmm. and even space marines were not as big of a deal but then as they like as as things went on right like do you have you ever read that fluff blurb where there was there's a half elf space marine.
1: This this offends me. I hope this does not exist.
0: It uh, Doesn't real, think, well, it, it in, existed in the past. One, mm-hmm. of, I think the librarian of one of the chapters. Hopefully, it's the Ultramarines because they're lame. Uh, mm-hmm. Was a half elf, or a, you know, half Eldar Space Marine. Uh, yeah, that that's what the story was back then, right? Doesn't fit the fluff. So, it's supposed so to
1: purge the Xenos.
0: I know like I honestly it's become a lot more interesting and better as you know they've created their 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 fluff and it Mm -hmm. they've refined it and they've they've kind of put it into like a tumbler and all of the all of the edges and all of the things that were other things have kind of been amalgamated or shaved off and 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 through iteration have turned to something fresh and new right Mm
1: -hmm. but only once they became huge could they and like a long running property could they do that which sort of differentiates them from other ones.
0: Mm-hmm. But, but, yes. but here's the thing, like when you think about Games Workshop, right? Like we can be like, oh, so there's other games that do smaller things. Like, and I've only mentioned a handful, right? Like I could go through a huge list, but instead I want to focus on the fact that Games Workshop is the biggest, right? And I think we've mentioned many times now in the past past little while that at least I think, uh, and I think you agree that the biggest, uh, the the biggest like thing that Games Workshop or Warhammer 40,000 has going for them is the IP. Mm-hmm. It's the story, it's the world, it's the setting that kind of evokes emotion and ideas and puts in when you think about having the miniatures on the table and yeah. what they're going to do. It's perfectly tailored, pulp science fiction. Uh, for a war game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Purchase. I don't wouldn't necessarily want to read books about Warhammer Forty Thousand, although a lot of people do because mm-hmm. it's pretty shallow, honestly. But it's in terms of like, it's, it's it's very deep in terms of history, very shallow in terms of like ethics and 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 examining the human condition, right? Mm-hmm. Introduce- so, in a lot of things that you want from fiction, it's actually kind of shallow, right yeah uh, but it's great for a war game where you you just you need enough and you need something to make it like the war cool. You don't wanna be you know rolling your dice and having your your war machines fighting the other guy while thinking. Should we even be at war? <laughs> mm-hmm. What does is is life is is everything worth saving, right? Is is it worth winning the battle when this is what we're fighting over, kind of thing? Which is why, like, I feel when people talk about Warhammer Forty Thousand and the stories that are the most uh, engaging for a lot of people, it's the it's, it's the, the mass, one with massive uh, battles. No, 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 it's the Inquisitor, mm-hmm. like the books. Mm-hmm. I meant the fiction, mm-hmm. not not the. You're right. It's the massive battles for the fluff you want for when you think about playing but when people read the fiction Mm -hmm. i guess there is the horse heresy which games workshop is trying to sell as like their equivalent of the lord of the rings more like their equivalent of harry potter but um but it's the story about the inquisitor right i forget his name the inquisitor is Kane or something like that where he's just a guy right and he's a little bit he's just trying to survive so he in the brutal sadistic world of Warhammer 40,000. And that becomes interesting. But that mm-hmm. is not interesting to throw that guy onto like, you know, a tabletop, because like it's interesting because he's the one sane person in a mad world. Right? Mm-hmm. So what happens if both of you guys are the one sane person when you when you show up with your little war bands, right? Doesn't quite work. But great, great but to me it's this is like the, the best story, but the overall world I don't
1: mm-hmm. know. So it sounds like the like overarching theme has to be there to get someone in the door, but then once they're in the door, just having that deeper layer of like stories and that for people to just invest mm-hmm. their energy into might be what like really gets them to stay in it. Just like the people who get into 40k and then never mm-hmm. seem to be able to get out. Like they've read all yeah. the stories, they've he- invested so heavily into all like the background that's in the codexes, and like with thing have- going. Mm-hmm on for longer and longer. Like there's people who've read the books from way back about like the origin yeah. stories of all that and they get more and more invested in it. And same thing like Frostgrave, yeah. once you've played through more and more campaigns, getting more and more of the stories that are back there, the more invested you get in it. But like in terms yeah, of getting in the door- more,
0: you want to play have... more in the mm-hmm. world. It's like returning when you're playing, you put your miniatures on your table. Not everyone plays every single day, right? So, or every, or multiple times a week. So whenever you're coming back and, you know, like for Frostgrave, we play it like, maybe once a month or so, Mm-hmm. Um, it's every time you play it, it's like you're coming back to something that you love, right? Something you know, cool and interesting. And plus, we have not close to played all the missions mm-hmm. in Frostgrave. Oh, no. so. If no. you only play once, so a, it's once like endless diving. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, can, can keep up. Exactly. With that's why. That's why we gotta, we gotta play more. Gotta play more. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that's true, right? Like you definitely need the the surface level to the hook right of the world mm-hmm. uh and then I think the, the more story important. helps like slow it's, it's like when you play also I don't know when, when you play video games mm-hmm. uh have you ever like I don't know if you play video games anymore I guess you don't right so now I'm also kind of old and and, and not as into video games as I used to and I so i played a lot of games, and I kind of am used to a lot of gameplay. So not a lot surprises me or, or, or really hooks me. And yep. if it hooks me, I have no desire to become really good at video games. So once it stops being novel and, like, sparking joy in my head, mm-hmm. uh, I start getting really, really bored, right? Because I'm like, oh, i, I got to do the same thing over and over again. I have to and reload my I'm save and try gonna...
1: this fight again. Uh-huh.
0: Exactly. Oh, and I'm getting a little bit better. Oh, wow, great. Right? But oftentimes for single player games, right? Where they're like, oh, you got to get better to be able to beat this boss, right? I'm just like, the only reason I'm playing this is I want a little bit more story. I want to get to the ending and see the story and the world, mm-hmm. right? So even though the idea of the game is cool and even though oftentimes the gameplay is what keeps me in at first, right? So it's like the setting and everything in the world is cool. That's the first thing that it has to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Once that has happened, Actually, the gameplay has to be fun to, to keep you in it, right Dated, like moment to moment when you're playing it. After that, oftentimes the thing that keeps you in for the even longer run is loving the world, the setting, being there in the thing, right mm-hmm. And for a lot of games for a lot a lot of games this ends up being you know for video games for me now it's just like sometimes I fall out of love of the gameplay and I'm only playing or I just get tired of it, right. I only playing for feeling that being in that world and trying to get to the conclusion trying to get those story bits right that fluff that that that, that they're you know drip feeding you
1: yeah okay so maybe it comes like it's the third thing but it's needed for the game to be like like a really special game it has to have that the extra yeah. layer.
0: well i feel like especially for like miniature games mm-hmm. you you kind of go through the same kind of thing right oftentimes if if you like the, the surface level you'll kind of uh you'll pick up the minis you, know, so you, you like play esthetic mm-hmm. you'll yeah. paint them you paint them up you play you play the game it's fun and then you know after one or two games you're like well i played it i got mm-hmm. i got a love of it oh, on to the next thing right when you have that world and you want to play you want to explore that world and you want to be in that world for longer i think that's what gets you to you know, stick it out. Besides, of course, like sometimes you just play a game that has really cool gameplay that you know you're constantly coming back mm-hmm. uh, just to explore. And and it's not sometimes, a lot of the times, like you that that's part of it. But when you have a cool story and a cool world and you want to continue to to visit that, that really can sink its teeth into you and especially with campaign games like that is why I think there's a there's a, a new thing where campaigns are, are, are getting really popular I think not just from the influence from D&D and things like that but it really emphasizes story right mm-hmm. and you need the world to have enough like like in d d right in RPGs so you need the world to have enough setting that when you start playing with your friends you can use those as like scaffolding to lay on the story that you and your friends are telling in your campaign, right? Yeah, Or
1: just during that individual game. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's like enough scaffolding that you understand it. You can place your game that you're playing into the world that you're returning to, right? As opposed Mm -hmm. to everything just being, you know, in its own little bubble, right? Mm -hmm. It kind of ends up building on all the other games you've played. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so in our last podcast, I I dropped the hint that I was beginning a Druze army for Akari. And you're like, what? You didn't tell me that. But in reality I wasn't building a Druze army. I was building an Akari army and actually painting them to the studio scheme as best as I could. Cause like unlike all the other factions that seem sort of like big and overarching, this is one like mercenary company. I'm like, damn, the story behind these people like branching off from the Japanese just because they're like the angry mercenary branch seemed very cool just because the the guy running it was a slighted general. It's like, oh okay, there's actually cool fluff behind this rather than just being overarching. like, I want this army. And because the figures looked cool too. But that combination <laughs> yeah. was like, no no, I'll actually paint an army in the real color scheme so, because like the background was cool enough for them.
0: So Akari's actual I actually haven't read the fluff for it, even though I have the books. Actually I might have given the books to to one of our our, our friends. Um <laughs> That's actually kind of interesting. That you know, better than the, the traitorous what is it? JSA, ruining mm-hmm. uh, the close combat ability of my Yu Jing. <laughs> yeah, and making is. me unable to play with one of my favorite models, the Raiden. It's got a cool name too.
1: Mm-hmm. Whatever. They, they oh, you on. didn't
0: care. You didn't play it.
1: I didn't care. I was post
0: that. They era. betrayed me. Mm-hmm. You know what? Post- that's another. That's one of the things where the fluff like is echoed in the gameplay Mm -hmm. it's like as a as a yu jing player when japan was part like it was for fluff actually right when it was parceled off and turned into its own mercenary like company right so its own kind of mini faction Mm -hmm. i felt personally slighted Mm -hmm. like how could this happen all of these (laughs) models i didn't paint that many i didn't have that many japanese models i had like four but I was going to buy a shikami. So I, I was gonna have like four or five. But just those. Like I didn't even have that many models I lost, but I still felt slighted and mm-hmm. and pained. And at the time I was very annoyed. Like it was fine because I had other armies and technically Eugene's not even a main army, so mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, how that kind of in hindsight, looking back now, where they've kind of filled in the martial arts ability of Yu Jing yeah. and cool units that I really like, right? They're just actually releasing it. They're filling it in finally at like, was it three or four, four years later or something? Five years later, they're mm-hmm. finally filling in that hole that was left. Yeah. I Should don't know been. if it, I don't know how. They're just filling it up with Korean troops. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they can they can re-
1: redo it again. Yeah, but honestly if if you're that invested in the story, you're like, oh, okay, they destroyed some miniatures, but at least like they gave a story reason for it, and I care enough about the story yeah. moving on and the game progressing actually and having the story progress. That. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with this. But people who are just like playing the game as competitive players who are like, oh, but the reading was so good, you took away my good piece. I'm like, ah. You deserve that. <laughs> you're not you're not moving ahead with the story because you don't care of like, the game. How
0: about me who was like, oh, the Raiden looked so cool. You took away my cool looking model.
1: They replaced it with some other cool looking models that do a similar role and have a similar name. It called took Rayugan. so long.
0: Like now oh, I agree, well. but it took like years for them to replace the cool looking models
1: mm-hmm, that they took yeah. from
0: me just gotta got trust their plan and in the meantime they made a whole bunch of new jsa models though so even cooler models at the time when it happened mm-hmm. all of them were made for the faction that i was that i was, could not play with my other models I was like, yeah. what the heck is this
1: i'm it's not terrible. cool with this because i own too many i own too many <laughs> models so it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> now now like,
0: at yeah. this point you can literally play any kind of gameplay with any kind of faction so I feel like mm-hmm. people who are just playing the game for, for the game probably don't necessarily care as much. Yeah. About, like, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, don't um, I don't know.
1: So yeah, it's, it seems like most games have some ability, like, to pull from some sort of outside-of-the-manature-game world mm-hmm. fluff. Like, do you know fantasy? Yeah. Do you know D&D? Do you know, like, the Star Wars or other, like, cyberpunk or that? They pull from that level, then you get into it, and then you like the gameplay, and then within that, they can start creating your own, their own stories, but it's, they got to get you yeah, in the doors, then get you in the movies, and then they can get yeah. their own stories in there. So,
0: yeah, I think, I think when I think about, like, the secret sauce, maybe it's just, like just having a killer setting like if you can if you have your, mm-hmm. if you have a really killer three sentence description of like elevator pitch right like three yeah. sentence description of why the setting of your world or, or the of, of like the yeah of, of the game make is cool mm-hmm. that is enough and then once like like you said right you don't have to have you, the detail is almost there just to make sure you can make those three sentences great. Yeah. sometimes well, you don't even have to like blood bowl it's fantasy fantasy football
1: mm-hmm. well i'm thinking i was thinking of turn of 28 when i was thinking of games for uh, this too and it's just like vegetable virus takes over like napoleonics do you like that idea yeah. you're in do you care about anything else no
0: <laughs> no exactly that will get you in the door it's kind of weird yeah even like one page rules hmm they don't make their own. Well, I guess apparently they're starting to make their own fluff. Hmm. But their entire business strategy is to be like, where like we, we make a rule rules that are pretty cool, and therefore you know all the fluff that you like from 40k use that fluff. Mm-hmm. That's our fluff. <laughs> yep. Just use our rules. Oh, and our, we also have models. We also we have, have models. We that now you have can models use. later.
1: Yeah. We're just like we're more streamlined Warhammer of every form. Yeah, and people are like oh, yeah. more streamlined warhammer. And they like literally has.
0: match up exactly, army to army, right? Mm-hmm. They even have Primaris brothers, which is pri- annoys me because obviously Primaris are not actually a, a, a different faction. I mm-hmm. wonder if they're actually going to remove their like st- for for one page rules. If 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 the Primaris faction Space Marines are because they have a normal brothers, battle brothers, and then they have Primaris mm-hmm. Brothers. I wonder now that they're becoming the same thing in forty K if they're gonna fold those back in and just be one.
1: Oh, just like the Raiden decisions so like there were no firstborn. What are you talking about? They were never there.
0: Yeah. Well Yeah, exactly. Well I think they in the new fluff they're just saying they they meld them together. And I was actually listening to Uncle Adam, mm-hmm. uh the uh YouTuber? What do you call it? Yeah, the, the YouTuber, uh, Tabletop Minions. And he was saying um, that he he was describing how it was fine for Primaris because—Primaris being big, right? Mm-hmm. Because they put it into the story. And I was like, yeah, in my okay. personal opinion, that was stupid. Well. But apparently—
1: it's it actually matters what to people need
0: to mm-hmm. make it work. Yeah, it, it matters. You're like, why is this guy so much bigger than this guy? Because the old model was a crappy model, and they're now making better models that are yeah. much more close to real, like true human scale.
1: Well, we came That's to the, the real reason. Yeah, we came to the same when conclusion that, for Infinity with them breaking off a whole bunch of miniatures out of one faction. Like, I'm like, explain it with the story. Good enough.
0: <laughs> You're like, no, yes. this is my faction. Right yes. Now story yeah we're just talking game, with one of the guys fun. story uh, i don't know i guess this is also going to get into media criticisms and what makes a good story so i think i think we can leave that out because that's not necessarily directly
1: important, no we don't right we don't it mean, just
0: needs perfect. the story yeah.
1: i have opinions hope. let me put it <laughs> oh, no. out there. obviously yeah, this this was was definitely not get into and reality be... and story crafting in reality that's <laughs> that's, that's too story? much
0: I will There's say a- like if you if you knew my favorite movies uh you would know that uh, I have no business telling other people what good stories are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyways, um Yeah, okay. So when you look at so so we talked about obviously like the the strongest games that apparently can hook people forever have this like deep fluff, great mm-hmm. setting, right great setting deep fluff that hooks people in for a long time and it helps you carry on right how about for these smaller games right like we're creating a game our our game is much smaller it has a much 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 reduced footprint uh we have written like a bunch of like we've written a timeline right we have a bunch of stories each of the factions we have an idea of who they are and we have Mm -hmm. a A setting for the world we didn't use to but we have like a setting for the actual gameplay to help hook things more to dial it back into it right Mm -hmm. Uh, into a you know we have a, a once deserted world right where just underneath there's all these research facilities and through a bunch of circumstances all of these spec ops teams are ending up here trying to get this information very quickly right that's our setting uh still work in progress um but that's the kind of idea that we have right for these smaller independent games right as opposed to these things with giant ips and things like that do you think that having this kind of deeper story like besides the the three sentences which we're obviously still working on to like craft it to to make it sound good um and, and interesting um do you think that the depth matters for smaller independent things like I do know there's like, so so what is the what was that uh, what's the second game from um, Starling Badger was Space Station Zero, right? That has a much deeper kind of story and interesting kind of thing happening because it's also a campaign, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's actually a campaign game.
1: A campaign Uh, story. There's no there's no way around that.
0: Yeah, and so but there's also a game like Relic Blade which has. A pretty deep actual story right like a lot of things happening um i don't think that's what really hooked me for that game though
1: no i think from what but we discussed like, no one's getting hooked on on the deeper stories they're just staying for them
0: yeah so it's really just the top level setting at the beginning mm-hmm. that that you got to get hooked then it's gameplay then to really hook you afterwards.
1: Yeah. And I think those they indie see. games really need mm-hmm. to latch on to like some existing idea in people's minds. Just like we talked about, like all those other games, it's mm-hmm. like, is it, it has to
0: be very obvious when mm-hmm. you see it. Right. Yeah. I it's... guess that's the other thing. The other thing that can win people over, even mm-hmm. if you don't have something, even if you're not just like generic, you know, movie kind of property or something, but now the game, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, If you have art and miniatures that can immediately sell the story and why it's cool, you can do it, I think, without having that, you know, tropes.
1: Yeah, I think it can also work that the art and the story can merge two different ideas. You don't have to be something quite as generic. You can jam two different ideas together, just kind of like how Infinity is like, oh, it's like sci-fi plus anime. And then, like, mm-hmm. Gaslands, well, mm, well, more like... Gaslands is definitely generic. Gaslands is very generic. Like, Turnip 28 well, it's, is Napoleonic's yeah. plus, like, zombie virus. You're like,
0: okay. Not just any zombie virus. It's vegetable zombie. zombie. Vegetable mm-hmm. zombie virus. Yeah. Or, you
1: know, like, Carnivale that you, I guess you picked up some of that. Yeah. It's, like, I guess Carnival.
0: that's also... Venice, it's like Carnival, and Carnival. And, uh,
1: Plus, like Cthulhu, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: like yeah. you can put two ideas like that together as an indie game. I think people. But Cthulhu is to...
0: the least important part, though. I don't know, it's, but it's Crazy it's there. carnival, people fighting, yeah. Yeah,
1: but it, you're not just like, oh, it's just this. You can actually like make a bit of a deeper setting. I think by you can put two ideas together in people's minds, and they actually, it actually gives a like a creative bend to it. So I think that can work too. Mm-hmm. The and one. I think
0: when you're talking about, yeah, I think maybe the story is more, more, more there for, like, when you, like, it also, I think, helps, you know, when it hooks people, right? When you hook people, when they've started playing games, they see the story come out of the gameplay. They see the story mm-hmm. from the miniatures, especially for, for games that have miniature list lines or miniature lines with a game.
1: Yep.
0: Having the game and the story, like, having them sell the miniatures and vice versa is very, very, is almost like super impactful, right? So to me, like Carnivale, the story I don't think is nearly as important or also I don't necessarily think the story overall is that good, but Mm -hmm. the setting is great and the miniatures, the way that they look, kind of sell that setting, right?
1: Yeah, maybe if you'd already gotten into the game and there were some cool stories surrounding one of the factions or at least stories you thought were cool, you might go and eventually buy into that faction because you're like, damn, these guys... Are super cool i want to do something with them
0: so yeah I, I don't know right now i just like the idea of of just like the mm-hmm. bourgeois uh, and fighting you know just the, the dock hand the dock workers mm-hmm. and them killing each other and guys with masks and stuff like that and that that's the thing that i think is like the uh cool part of the game right mm-hmm. kind of more like an assassin's creed-esque kind of fight going on
1: yep yeah so our game i guess kind of has like the dune-ish setting being on like a desert world slash i guess slightly star wars-ish like the tatooine like desert mm-hmm. world where like a whole bunch of various peoples from all over are gathered on it but i'm just mm-hmm. wondering if like there's because it's more like it's a bit more technologically advanced sci-fi or no, well, those those are both pretty technologically advanced, but just whether there's another idea to it. Oh, hmm, Well there's a zombie outbreak portion of it too, which is kinda of like the Resident Evil going into the lab of Resident Evil and like mm-hmm. and there being all sorts of weapons labs. and crazy shit. So there yeah. are like different ideas that I, you I, get I think I think
0: there's there's also the thing in in, in the setting in, in our mm-hmm. world, right? Like the science fiction, it's in some ways more advanced than Star Wars, but in some ways mm-hmm. less advanced because the it's not pulp science fiction, right? It's more like we take our the cues more from cyberpunk in terms of the world, but not it's not mm-hmm. cyberpunk, right? But mm-hmm. it's like, it's a more modern kind of what would the future in terms of the factions actually be, right? So you have everyone is kind of a little bit of a post-human right? Mm-hmm. Everyone is way more advanced than post-humans, even like the, well, I guess these are all spec ops teams, so there's no just like normal guys walking around, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like the different forms, right, are all post-human in some sort of way, right? They're greater than, than. So, so that, greater than like a normal guy, whereas in Star Wars, you have that idea of, you know, just normal mooks running around and doing things, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and being like rising up to be great through you know you know the whole western kind of you know and, and hero's journey kind of thing, right, so mm-hmm. and magic space magic as well yes. which, which uh, we do not have right, no. so
1: <clears throat> I'm just trying to think what major intellectual property is all about like people being like advanced humans
0: um. The way it, when I was thinking about it, mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking, you know, writing about, you know, the, you know, the, the factions and things like that. Um, there's obviously like a Dune kind of idea of, you know, there's an empire that's, you know, kind of coming into civil war, right, mm-hmm. which is very, very popular is the Romans and things like that. Um, and then you have all these other people like these other what, like other uh uh forces like the enemies of the empire on the outside uh infiltrating inside waiting for you know to see what happens to the empire with this civil war but then the actual technology on the planet and all like how they look and things like that and what the technologies are i think more have you ever um in terms of post-human-esque like things uh have you ever read the comic blame no exclamation mark I, it's yeah. supposed to be blam but it's japanese so the translation made it blame exclamation mark instead of it's a better you know, name the gun sound <laughs> blame no it's it's not blame it's blame exclamation mark mm-hmm. it's like i love you for having to use my gun so um so in the world basically uh you start off it's it's one of those things where like you start off You know when you watch a movie or something like that or in this case it's the comic book right you see these the the guy just looks like a normal human but he basically ends up quickly doing things that no human could do and then Mm -hmm. random other humans that just seem like normal humans uh like fall and survive crazy kind of things right so and you're like oh these look like humans but they're obviously way more advanced right
1: Sorry, into cyberpunk edge runners, where people are just like augmenting themselves, or is it,
0: yeah, yeah, but it's like way past that, right mm-hmm. so cyberpunk edge runners is the question of, oh, uh what what hardware do you install? Edgerun- yeah, and you and there's the question of are you losing your humanity if you advance, you become better, what are you losing when you augment yourself, like what mm-hmm. is the what are we actually doing, are we go- rushing into this too quickly? Uh, what is the the social dynamics of the fact that some people will be augmented and some people will be not right Mm -hmm. in our setting it's like you know a thousand years after assuming you know there's no nuclear war earth was not wiped out you know we spread around the stars like developing your like humanity into like superhumans right like augmenting yourself is not a big deal that's just you know everyone is augmented right you're born you you have a so in the world there's like a human phenotype right where that is you know the normal body that the empire says you know this is the the body you should have so that you know all of our services right everything can interface with you we can you know medical treatment we can diagnose you and all those kind of things right so so there is some idea of having some limits on what you can like, who you are, right? But then the other factions, in many ways, are people who are outside of the empire who do not necessarily line up with that, right? So we have mm-hmm. like the Ishtar, the Scalians, and the Furians, who have basically wholeheartedly embraced, you know, doing random, you know, like every child can be changed, right, or 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 augmented genetically right so even though they're biological they change their bodies to be more like lizard people or or furry people to Mm -hmm. survive in kind of whatever climate that they're in right and that has caused friction between you know them and the empire and that's why they had you know a long history of war and things like that you have obviously the mutants and then you have uh the other faction you know the technocrats who are um uh like uh, basically cyborgs because they were engineers and they're the guys who are like basically computer geeks. So the idea of just being like biologically augmented, right. Is means little to them. And they're like the most in terms of, of, you know, cybernetically, like having cybernetic bodies as opposed to everyone else. And then you have like the post humans who are like this rich upper class who fled out into outer space mm-hmm. and who had a lot of money and basically perfected their bodies and, or, or, or have like the, you know the most perfect kind of post-human-like bodies that you would you would think about now when you think about let's say edge runners, right? Like Cyberpunk, and they've kind of come back, right? mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah. What was the yeah, co- exactly. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah except like how do you explain that as like an overarching concept? So like the thing is, it doesn't words. even really matter, mm-hmm.
0: right? It doesn't matter on the first, the top level when we talk about it. We're it's talking about the setting set. of the world, the fight, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about a miniature game. You want people to play the miniature game. Well, like
1: is it a sci-fi combat like on a devastated research planet?
0: Yes, and then and all, all these all that different settings.
1: It's sci-fi. That's that covers it. The deeper layers are for when people like get into it.
0: But yeah so like when they once mm-hmm. people start looking at the thing, then you want to look at, okay, so these are the different factions. what is the thing that interests you right? That's when you hook the that's when that you kind of get hooked on these these different world different things, different kind of settings, different different fluff of these different factions, right? Yeah. like when I look at and just for people to have like this shared story when they're playing the
1: game, it means yeah. they can create that versus it won't be like my impression of stargrave. Of somebody being mm-hmm. like Oh much space marines, and you're bringing your Jedi. They won't. Their their story can at least mesh because that layer exists below the surface of just saying it's yeah. sci-fi on in this and this is going on
0: yeah. in this area. And in some ways, it's even important at at, at the be the beginning. Like yes, it, it piques your interest. You're looking at it, but then when you you know there's a lot of different steps in miniature games to actually getting it on the table mm-hmm. so build the table you gotta you gotta build a table you, gotta, like, yeah. you, a table. Yeah. you have to have the right the settings you gotta have the miniatures right so mm-hmm. you need some sort of kind of fluff or interesting ideas right so for star i know you hate it's not actually space Marines. it's inquisitors versus uh, jedi right mm-hmm. <laughs> but the fact that they have in the story that you can be those inquisitors or those jedi right is the thing that makes people interested once they open the book and look in and say oh is there a can i build a war band for me mm-hmm. right is this the thing that i find interesting that i will want to play more right and i think that kind of gives you the extra need and the extra sparks the imagination to get you to actually fully build that warband, right? Get beyond just the, oh, it's interesting, I'll read the rules or buy the book or whatever, something like that, right? Yeah, because when you go into the game,
1: like we talked about that high-level thing, that, oh, I want to play, play, like, let's say, pirates. You don't necessarily want to be, you don't know, like, which exact pirate faction you're going to play. Like, maybe you are playing, like, the rich pirates. Maybe you are playing... Like, the Imperial Spanish Navy, like, you don't you don't necessarily know who you're going to want to play with in that. To begin with, same thing, like, even if you true. say we're going to play, like, Warhammer, like, okay, you played 40k, you're going to go play Kill Team now, cause you, or no, you're going to play, like, Necromunda now. Maybe you're like, that's what you play in 40k doesn't influence what you're going to play in Necromunda. You're just like, that's oh, the same world, but you're going to read through the factions and see what, like, sparks it
0: be on there. Yeah, but each of the factions, right? Like I you know, initially there was not actually that much. There was just a, a couple of words almost, right? And mm-hmm. just a list, right, of each of the different factions. And then some but, art. Yeah. And but, but here's the thing I was going to say uh but the art is really what sells. Mm-hmm. Sold all of those things and evoked so much, right? It wasn't just the it wasn't the words in fact for a lot of 40K. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and games workshop stuff, they use art to do the talking, right?
1: Yeah like the covers of the books for the codexes they're in yeah. the store, the covers of the box sets, like
0: but the art is also intentional, right? It's not mm-hmm. just like random, like in some ways, it was random stuff that's cool, right? but there there was, you know the people that were creating it had the idea of worlds in their head, right? So as the art kind of builds up, you have, you know crazy things but all pulling around this theme and that kind of makes things you know sells the idea right to people like um i think recently there was an interview with john blanche and he talked about the black templars art yep right and that to a lot of people was seminal the seminal games workshop uh warhammer 40,000 art that really sells people like oh this is this is a cool world, right? Just that one piece of art evokes so much, right? You say a picture paints a thousand words. That one is like, you know, really good picture paints like 10,000 words. Yeah, I I know. It's, It's the art though that
1: makes it, like it's not the art to get you into the game. It's not the art that's inside of the books. It's the art that's like right on the face of the covers, It's on the product. It's on the web pages now. Like that's the art that I think gives the people the first impressions. Like obviously later when you start flipping through the books, it matters to get you more like into the game and the choosing factions, but yeah. like
0: but the art for those specific factions, I think, mm-hmm. is actually very important as well, right? Like yeah. every piece of art, like you could replace a lot of story, like story blurbs, if you just mm-hmm. put a really beautiful piece of art that evokes a lot.
1: If you could, right? if you could afford to make all that, yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly, right. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. that's but that's what Games Workshop can do, right? Like Age mm-hmm. of Sigmar, when it re- was released. Honestly, the story was hot garbage. It wasn't even there's was like a barely a story there, right? Mm-hmm. But what they did have was amazing artists churning out lots of really cool art, going through gates and fighting, right? Yeah, pretty even sick. Even though, though too. the story was really kind of lame, honestly, it was mm-hmm. a very much a World of Warcraft esque like game gamified like each instant servers where you fight on this one. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. The art made it cool It and be like, oh, maybe it is cool to like go into this instance of the world and fight in this realm gate, right? Like they've mm-hmm. moved away from that so far now because they realized that story was lame. But the art carried the day and, and Age of Sigmar sold so much better than uh, the old world, even though the old world has so much fluff and story, right? And it's come back now because of like Warhammer Total War, mm-hmm. right? But it was just the, you know, the evocation of of how things looked that really helped sell Age of Sigmar, and almost like honestly, I find Age of Sigmar, the story is still uh, there's there's actually a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff now, right? But not when it started off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like a lot of the story and everything is is set up so that you can just. Make really cool art pieces, <laughs> of work.
1: Like, yeah, the game I see is just like literally an art piece on the board. Like,
0: yeah. Uh, apparently the game is okay. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta tell you, uh, I'm thinking of creating a, of, of actually creating that goblins army that I I started. Mm-hmm. We'll see if I actually ever do it. I it's have like, game. I'm not even done my forty my orcs army. It is it is October, but I haven't even finished like the five five orc pieces that uh like space orc pieces that i have just on my desk
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just a, it's actually not on my desk it was it was staring at me all of them were staring at me accusingly so i just t- threw them into the box <laughs> 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 the boxer they will never be seen again but mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah yeah right.
0: so um yeah so I think when when it comes down to it um I think we've talked about definitely the setting, how important that is and we've emphasized that, and the general f- fluff but i I do think when when it comes that's down to it, it is the like it has to be it's not just the fluff being the secret uh you know this kind of the secret sauce, but it is more of how all of these things, like the art the uh, the miniatures, the setting kind of come together to kind of sell this idea and spark this imagination and this wonder and this kind of desire to live in, in this world, right? And the fluff and the story specifically slot in there to help build things up, but only almost like as a co-piece to the many other different things that are all like lining up and selling that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, at this point, I think um, I would say after this conversation, my thought would be that actually it is like three, that three sentence setting, right? Being able to parse it in a way that can really sell people that kind of uh, is in some ways the most important, right? And obviously things go in cycles. So it's like the three sentences that kind of hook people when they're receptive to it right Mm -hmm. and they're they want it and then you have all of these other things the fluff the art the miniatures and the gameplay that backs it up that kind of helps sell all those things to get people not only interested but um hooked in the long run to continue to to play and i think for a lot of those games though you know the fluff is integral part to that thing yeah so
1: yeah i think that's what we've seen from the people we've talked to and just like people's Impressions they give to others on the net about games they like.
0: Yeah, so I think, as we've said many times, Warhammer 40,000 uh, is particularly strong in the flop. Do you think that they are almost like an outlier?
1: Yeah, I think so. But they've they put quite a bit of work into writing, like they've or, or is it more like it. Hmm.
0: yeah?
1: Just or is it around. more like?
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different games. Like, there's almost two sections of games, right? There's the IPs, IP games, which sell the games purely on the IP. And those mm-hmm. are by far the strongest, like in yeah, terms of market share that can help people. And mm-hmm. then you have the games, the indie games, the space where we hang out, where the, like, little cool nerds who, uh, who it's not enough to just, to just say, hey, you know that thing you love? Here's mo- some of it in miniature form. We're like, we're just like, in the same way of movies, where, where a lot of people, you know, are just totally happy to watch more Star Wars and Marvel movies. Then you have like indie nerds who are like, oh no, that's more Marvel, more whatever DC. No, I need something new, something fresh send me here's just the five different things from the this indie small indie uh movie festival that i watched that you should actually watch for something fresh and unique
1: yeah i need my ability to be a special snowflake not just play the marvel character everybody (laughs) knows yeah.
0: It's, it's not just a special snowflake of the character. It's I want the entire experience to be special snowflake. Oh, you play that game? No, I play something totally different that doesn't play like anything you've ever touched before, right? Mm-hmm. So that is kind of the indie space. And I feel like that's where I live at this point yep. in our miniature gaming careers, right? We've walked away from all these things with like large... uh. Pre-built you know, audiences. IPs, mm-hmm. all of this great fluff and story. Uh, and we move towards games that are, you know, boutique and different and showing us something that is more unique. And in that case, uh, fluff is a lot is a lot smaller in terms of its importance with these kind of games. But yep. again, it's probably because uh they don't have time to build it up, right? Like yeah, we so said for us, Grave, we've played it so long. We get the fluff now, right? All this fluff has come through, right? Well, yeah,
1: he's just had more time to, like,
0: build up the resource Mm -hmm. that exists as a game. I think the same things have happened with Relic Blade. Mm -hmm. And I think turn of 28, actually, the guy, I think he was creating another game with tanks in the same setting, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I, I think the turn of 28 guy is an artist, right? So it's the art that sells kind of the game and the kind of idea and that evocation right yeah. so yeah it's an interesting kind of dichotomy between those two things and it really I think depends on who you're selling to in the end wh- how important it ends up being
1: yes yeah, I don't think you can control that you just have to you have to cater to your audience yeah. in that respect of those two different groups
0: yeah, there's no silver bullet, right? For some people, fluff is everything. For some people, whatever. Just show me cool mechanics and make the dice rolling and the maths in the game interesting. Yeah, honestly, like
1: I'll only come back if the game is interesting. Like I'll jump into it for the reasons everybody else does because there's a cool level of setting at the top. But then like I'll either bounce off the game or stay in the game because of the rules. And mm-hmm. then story is the next layer.
0: Story's, like, the last layer for you, you feel yeah,
1: like? is what, what keeps you in there, because, like, oh, this is evolving. There's more more being delivered mm-hmm. to me. I want like I don't feel like this is over. Like, people talk about mm-hmm. games being living games or dead games, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. to, to, like, some level it matters that those stories are still, like, you're still expecting a story, mm-hmm. so you still consider Actually, yourself a player a good, of the game.
0: That's a good point. There's, like, a meta-textual narrative of, of alive and dead games mm-hmm. that... If you're playing a game like Necromunda, like a campaign game that's dead or Mordheim that's technically, you know, being a dead game, the idea that in the game you're playing a campaign that's alive breathes life into it, even though the meta textual idea of the fact Mm -hmm. that it's not actually growing is not there. Whereas if you have a game that you're playing just for the game, you still care about life for the game. It just becomes almost the life and the setting of the game is almost like you know because you
1: can't change the property. yeah because yeah, you can't change it because you're not in a campaign the game is just they have to move the game for the game to change you can't move your and, characters
0: yes and mm-hmm. the story of the game has to come from you know the the living and, and in some ways the story becomes the life of the game the new releases of the game mm-hmm. right in an almost like sports or gamey kind of way right so mm-hmm yeah, we'll more everything. Later. Even, yeah. yeah, I know. In, in that one before we open up the of worms I think that's about time to wrap it up. So, uh yes, that's our uh idea on uh, did we ever answer is is fluff the secret sauce? I think I think the answer is no. I think there's there's so much more or it is for some people it's the extra spice. It's not the it's Not, <laughs> yeah. not in the main it's not the secret one. Yes, yeah. it's not yes, it is a spice and for some people it's important. But again, it depends. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you kind of, if you have any thoughts on it, if you have uh, uh, or any questions about our 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 thoughts on this kind of things, or any questions about our uh, the game we've been working on, the fluff there, you can uh, email us at contact at diceovereverything.com. Yep. or find us on Facebook. we Dice Over Everything. It's been Alan. Yeah, it's
1: been Brandon. Bye.